hearing um, a hum, some kind of something feeding back or something. I'm not sure what that is. And uh, while you're working on that, I'm going to fix something here on my notes. But while I'm doing that, we are going to go through Genesis chapter 22. So if you have your Bible, let's go to that. Genesis chapter 22. And I entitled this passage, Love and Worship. And it was amazing when I started uh, getting into this, how much uh, talks about worship. Oh, thank you. There it was. And, you know, since you got the worship uh, pastor here uh, today, we're going to talk about love and worship. So Genesis 2, amazing, uh, 22, amazing thing, an amazing thing is going to take place here. Here, Abraham is tested. A great test. Something that I know I could not do. And I know that none of us could do. And it's just an amazing thing that God would choose Abraham to do this thing. And to test him in this way. And you would think that as tests go, that you get a grade and you kind of turn in your paperwork. Your test is done. You're done with the subject. And it's over. And you don't have to come back to that class anymore. It is, it is finished, right? But here we have... Abraham, who has received Isaac, his promised son, he waited for many years for this son, Isaac. And so you would think, okay, he passed his tests. Here's his reward. You got an A. Here you go. Go live and be happy. And uh, no, not with God. It's really interesting that God would want to even test us. And the word here can also be uh, the word proved, to prove us. And um, God's ways, it's hard for us to understand. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. If you go to Isaiah 55, it says... It says that very thing. And he says, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. And so, if we go back a little bit in Genesis here, in chapter 18 and 19, Abraham, he has this conversation with the Lord regarding the promise, hearing this promised birth of his son Isaac. And then later, God's righteous judgment over the two cities. Remember those? Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is teaching Abraham here. He's teaching him. He's learning. He's learning God's mercy. He's learning God's judgment. He's learning God's knowledge. Because if you remember, God said he knows everything. That, that the thoughts and their intent are evil all the time. And they have to go. He's, knowing, he's learning God's knowledge. And he learns how God keeps his word. Remember, he had this conversation with God. It's like, okay, well, if you, find, if, you find, if you find ten people, will you not destroy that city? Like, no. and, and, and he kept chopping that number down to like five. He says, no, if I, if I find five people, I won't destroy the city. But God knew. And Abraham also learns later on, he learns about being honest. That even in the face of... Of danger and death, he needs to be. He needs to be honest. He learns that it's probably it would have been a good idea to be more honest and allow the Lord to protect him and Sarah. Even though he went through this already, uh, he there were two 
two separate times where he went into a a different city and he he's calling Sarah his sister when it, you know because she's so beautiful is they going to kill me just tell them you're my sister right and the first time that didn't work out so well and so he didn't pass that test and here he, he later on he, he another another time he's going through another city and he does the same thing and he learns he's learning until he has to pass these tests later in chapter 20 when he deals with Abimelech the king of Gerar that's that's uh, the second time that he goes in there with Sarah so now uh, God calls <clears throat> to Abraham and he and what's Abraham's answer verse verse 1 and 22 he says here I am and very important right there because we see that even through all of this and all the learning and here he has Isaac now he still says to the Lord here I am let's go to uh, 22 1 he says now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham see, there's no doubt this is a test right that God tested Abraham and he said to him Abraham and he said here I am I think it's important to note that when the time comes when we received the greatest of our blessings like Abraham here has he has Isaac now the greatest blessing he's been waiting for this kid his son that when we receive our greatest blessings that we, that we have, maybe in a time of uh, pros- prosperity, it could be uh, the career, the, the spouse, the house, right? The family, the new car, you know. That we, during these times when the Lord calls us, that we could say, here I am. It could be so easy to spend more time enjoying all these other things in life, right? You know, you've, you've gotten close to God. You're reading your studies. Why do I have to come to church, right? I mean, but I'm talking to the wrong crowd here. You guys are here Sunday nights. Yeah, that's awesome. But, you know, it could be difficult when you've got your brand new 50-inch plasma TV and you're paying for the sports channel and you've got all these games to watch and... You have to go to church. Oh, I have to go to church. When all you know, I got. I just, I just rented a movie. I can, I can watch. You know. And um, when these times come, when we have the blessings that God has given us, that we still listen to His voice, and we say, "Here I am, Lord." Let's go to verse two. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham receives a command from the Lord. Now there's a, uh, a hermeneutical principle here known as the principle of first mention. And this principle teaches that the first mention of the word in the Bible, it determines its meaning through the rest of the scripture. This word right here, there's one here. There's actually two in this passage here. The whole passage. The first one brought to our attention here is the word love. Now, there's no doubt before Genesis 22, you know, there's love because, you know, Abraham loves his wife. You know, you know, Adam loved Eve. You know, there was, there's love existing, but here's the first time that's actually put down on in the book. It's put down. It's written here for the first time, and it's important for us to mention because the other word that is first time mentioned here in this passage is worship. And no doubt, people are worshiping God before this time, but it was at this moment that God decided to put these two words down here in this book for us. Now, why do you think that is, that he would put love 
and worship together in the same passage. It's really important, and I think we need to to note that. Here the word love is being used for a father's love for his son. God describes to Abraham what's inside his heart, right? He says in verse 2, he says, Take now your, your son, your only son, whom you love. Well, how does God know that? He knows his heart. He knows what's in there. He knows deep inside that Abraham loves this, this, this boy Isaac. He loves him. He saw this, this love inside his heart. He knows what's in there. So this means that God sees inside our hearts. And when we're talking about worship and love, you know, we sang some songs tonight and we're singing songs of, of our love to the Lord, but God sees our hearts. He knows if we're just up here showing off our guitar licks or our songs or our voices. And he knows maybe if you're just sitting there going, you know, I, I just sing too, I sing too well for you guys, so I don't want to sing. Or you maybe I don't know if anybody is saying that, but God knows your heart. He, he knows what you're doing. You're sitting here. And, of course, worship is more than just singing. Um, and, but we're right here in this passage, we're talking about searching the heart. Psalm 44, 21 says, Would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. And we all have secrets. Or things, maybe they're not secrets, just, just nobody knows about it. And you don't want anybody to know about it. But God knows about it. He knows the secrets of the heart. Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. You know, your heart, you might be keeping some dark secrets in a dark corner and about some dark event, but you know what? It's a lamp to the Lord. It's fully lit. He knows what's in there and he sees it. You're not hiding it in any dark spots in your heart or in your mind from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Even to... Give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. The fruit of his doings. Like, okay, so something happens as a result of what you did, and no one knows why you did it, but it was a bad thing or whatever. The fruit of your doing, something as a result of what you did, but God knew why you did it. And he knew the, the intent of your heart of why you did it. And he knows the consequences that are going to occur because of what you did, and he's a just God, and he knows why he's going to give that to you. It, you know, and so in everything, good or bad, he's going to give you blessings upon blessings because he saw your heart that you were out there you know, picking up cigarette butts on the sidewalk because you weren't doing it just to show off because you really love the Lord and you want to serve him and you want to see the people blessed and you want to bless God's people. You want to bless his children and because you want to please God. You know, I, as, a, as a father, when I, I see somebody being nice to my son, to, to my boys, man, that guy's my, my new best friend. I love that guy. He's really cool with my kids. You know, how much more the Lord when you're serving him and you love his kids. You know, and that's what we're doing. We're serving each other. We come to church. We put our time in to serve the Lord and find a ministry where we could be used in our talents and abilities or whatever it is that God has given you that you feel that, man, I can do this. Because you love God and his, his children are here, so you're going to serve them and you're going to put a smile on God's face. He knows why you're doing it. Genesis 6.5 says... Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Remember? 
He's going to destroy the world in Genesis 6. A big flood. But this is how deep it goes. He says, every intent. So the reason why you're doing things. And the thought. So the thought that you had. Of the heart inside. So, I mean, it's going deep, deeper, and deeper still. Even We don't even know why we did it. We just thought we just wanted to do it, you know. You may need, may need to even know yourself. And God knows your, you more than yourself. He knows the intent of the thought of the heart. That's, that's, that's deep right there. Blew me away to think of that. God saw into Abraham's heart. And he saw this deep love that he had for his son. So God says, okay, now he's ready for the test. Now, another thing to note right here, he says, your only son, your only son, Isaac. Is, uh, is Isaac his only son, really? I mean, what about Ishmael? Did we forget about him? Ishmael was his son. But God is now recognizing Ishmael. Ishmael was a work of the flesh. Remember, Sarah turned to Abraham and says, Here, take Hagar and have a child with her. Maybe that's what God meant. You know, it's been years. Nothing's happened. So maybe this is how God meant for it to be done. And so they had Ishmael. And Ishmael was a work of the flesh. And here you see God saying to Abraham, Isaac is your only son. Ishmael was a work of the flesh. And the works of the flesh, God is not going to acknowledge with us. And he knows the intent of your heart. So I pray the things that we do for the Lord, that they're not in the flesh. Because if they are... Jesus said, get away from me. I never knew you. Right? Oh, we did this in your name. We, we, we saved the whales. We did all this. He goes, I don't even know you. Who are you? You're saying you're doing it for the Lord, but you're doing it to look good around people. And he knows your motives and the intent and the thought of your heart. Way down deep. He goes, I know why you did that. And it's a work of the flesh. And I'm, I'm, God doesn't look at the flesh. God is holy. He's not going to look at your evil things that you did. And so it's not going to count. We're going to get to heaven, right? In Revelations it says, and it was, it was as if we went through fire just to get through and our works burned up. And whatever remains is there as if to go through the fire. And so Isaac is recognized as Abraham's son through the promise and the faith that Abraham had. And it's it's also interesting that in chapter 21, we see Abraham and Sarah get rid of Ishmael. They, They needed to put him out. And, and Abraham, had a, he had a hard time with it. He loved Ishmael. But he had a hard time with it. And then Sarah said, no, we got to get rid of this kid. And uh, he wasn't a kid. He's grown up already. He said, no, we got, we got to get rid of him. And God, Abraham was kind of saying, well, I don't know. God said, wait a minute. Listen to Sarah. Don't worry about him. I'll take care of him. And when he was put out, the next chapter in 22, you see the blessing. You see the, t- the test. And it just goes to show, in our flesh, there's things we need to get rid of. We need to get rid of them. And if we expect to grow, we expect to get these tests and these blessings. Those things in your flesh, we're going to have to push it out. And there's things that we hang on to. God knows Confess it, get rid of it, and start growing. 
And it's in Matthew 7 where he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So we see the works of the flesh are not directed. The works of the flesh that are not directed or guided by the Spirit, and they're our own works. The works of the flesh, they won't be recognized. Our own worship, our service to God, very possibly that it will not be recognized by God because they were done in the flesh with ulterior motives or maybe a, a selfish ambition. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13 says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Remember in Matthew 6, Jesus, before he gives an example of prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Jesus mentions that, uh, mentions what not to do during your prayer and during your, the charitable, your, your charitable giving, your deeds and your service and worship. He goes, don't do it just to show off. Because you'll get your reward because people will look at you and say, they'll say wonderful things about you. They'll say how nice you are. Oh, how generous you are. Oh, how giving you are. And he's saying that right there. Right there. That recognition right there. That's your reward. You got it. Maybe even it's applaud. Right? If you're up here, you're doing stuff, or you're in front of people, you're getting applaud. You're getting your reward. That's it right there. That's it. God knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. And if that's all you want, that's all you're going to get. You will receive it right then and there. But God will not look upon it. He's not going to look at it. So we need to check our motives. Is it truly for the Lord? Or do we want others you know, to applaud? Are we looking for that? And if that's what you're looking for, that's, that's all you get. Are you looking to uh, make people happy instead of... Uh, pleasing the Lord, like you want people to say wonderful good things about you, nice things about, about who you are and what you've done. God did not recognize Ishmael. He was a product of the flesh. Let's go to verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, I don't know about you, but some of this sounds really familiar to me. And this whole passage is an example of what God is going to do himself in the sacrifice of his son for, for us. And the similarities are amazing here. Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and that's the same area right here, on a donkey. Jesus had men with him, like his disciples. Jesus had to scare, carry the split wood in the shape of a cross for the sacrifice. He carried it himself. It's just amazing. Let's go verse 4. Then, on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now, we saw that at one point, God said, I'll tell you where to go, just go. And Abraham obeys, and in faith, he goes. But at this point now, in verse 4, Abraham knows that that's the place. I'm not sure how he knows. Maybe God told him, you know, that's it right there. I don't 
I don't know. We're not told how he knew. By verse 4, he knew. He stepped out in faith and he went, knowing that the Lord would show him anyway. So on the third day, how significant that is, this number three, on the third day, how significant. It could be that in Abraham's eyes, Isaac is dead. And three days, he's dead. And here he's at the place and he lifts his eyes. Jesus is in the tomb three days and he comes out of the tomb. Right? Jesus lifted his his eyes out of the tomb. He is lifted up. Verse 5. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. And the word lad means young man, by the way. Or it could also mean an unmarried young man. The lad and I will go yonder. And here's the first use of the word, worship. And we'll come back to you. We will come back to you. Verse 5. So this very act that Abraham knew he must do to obey the Lord, as difficult as it was for him, because he had to kill his son. He knew this. God is telling him to sacrifice and do a burnt offering sacrifice. That means he also has to burn the body. He has to... They, what they did, they cut the animal and then the animal would die and then they would put it on the fire, on the wood. And it would burn. Abraham is thinking he has to do this. And he doesn't know he's being tested. He's just saying, obey, and he goes. He's going to have to kill his son, watch him bleed, and then watch him burn. Oh, how, how man, it's... I can't even think about that. It's just so so violent. It's just so amazing that and he's going to do this. And he's walking with Isaac, his son to go do this. He's, he's resolving in himself these, for three days, this, this, my boy is dead. This is what Abraham calls worship. Right here in verse 5. This is worship. Surely it's not just singing to the Lord. Surely it's not just playing guitar, playing drums, or singing songs to God. This is a life thing. Your life is worship to the Lord every day with everyone you speak to, with everything you do. This very difficult thing that Abraham is doing, this sacrifice... It's a difficult thing. Worship is a difficult thing. And because it's your life every day, it is a difficult thing. It's something that's not easily and just flippantly accomplished. Our life needs to be a sacrifice to the Lord. Right? We have to reckon the old man dead. There's a death to take place upon sacrifice in our life. Our, our lives want to do things to please ourselves. That flesh, the things that we want to do to just make ourselves happy. And it's contrary to the Lord and his, and his will. We have to die to that. We have to put that animal on the fire. Uh, maybe, um, maybe it's a sacrifice to, uh, to come to church. Um, I know some people where they have to work on Sundays and they'll lose time and hours that they, get, they can get paid, but they would rather be here at church. We can call that a sacrifice. They're giving something up. Right? How about um, fellowshipping with one another? That's, that's worship when we we come in, we talk to each other, we pray for each other. That's fellowship, right? And you know, maybe there's some people you don't want to talk to in here. I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there's people you just don't get along with. Because we have quite a varied uh, 
populace here of, of different backgrounds and history, age groups. So fellowship can be difficult. But is that, can that be a sacrifice? Sure. Praying for one another. Do you pray for one another? Um, sometimes if you're going to pray with somebody, they got to tell you what they need prayer for. And sometimes people are like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to know that guy's problems. I don't want to bother to know, and I just got to get out of here. And, and, or maybe it's more like, I'm not going to say my pro, tell my problems to this guy. Yeah, who knows who he's going to talk to. Um, but praying for one another, that could be difficult too. Especially if you're a very uh, private person. And of course, you know, when we are together worshiping God, and it's something we can do together. We, we, we can all sing, maybe not all in tune, but we can all sing, and we can do it together. There's some things that we can do together, and that's one of them. Because we're so varied in abilities or history or culture, at least there's some things we can do together. One of them is worship and singing in song together. But sometimes um, doing this public display of adoration and lifting your hands and is, is, that could be kind of humbling, can it? You know, you don't want to do that, you know. And, and maybe, maybe you don't want to call attention to yourself. Okay, so that's, that's understandable. But maybe you feel like I should lift my hands because cause there's something in my life I need to give to the Lord and I want to give it. And, and no one knows it, but that's a real humbling thing. That can be a sacrifice. Sacrifice the Lord. Humble yourself. Remember David in uh, 2 Samuel, he, he needed to buy the threshing floor for sacrifice. And um, the guy said, oh, you're the king. I'm going to give this to you. Don't, you don't have to buy it. I'm, I'm going to give this to you. So, you know, you're the king. And he says, no, no, no. Surely I will buy it for a price. He goes, I'm not going to offer a burnt offering to the Lord. My God, with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. He wasn't going to just do it without cost. Serve God, worship God without a cost. He says, that, that means nothing. David refused to offer a sacrifice to the Lord if it wasn't going to cost him. It would seem not to be a sacrifice at all. You remember um, Jesus was at the temple and he's on one side and the, the treasury is on the other side and all these rich people are coming in and they're dumping big loads of cash right they got their pockets full you could see you know big bulges in their pockets they're putting money in and uh, and and jesus is just sitting back watching all this and um this this old woman comes in and she only has two little mites the two her last two pennies in the world and she gives it in there she and, and, and Jesus sees this guy, this, this, this woman coming in, and he calls his guys over. Hey, hey, disciples, come over here. Look at this woman. Look what she's doing. And they're like, so? He goes, no, 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 you, you don't understand. These guys just came in and parade, right, in pomp and circumstance. And they said, look what I have. Boom, they put it in there. And, you know, they were putting stuff in there. And this humble woman just came in. She he says, that woman put more in than all of these guys because she just put her last two cents in. And, and I'm sure Judas, who hold the treasury, is thinking, you know what, what a waste. But you know what? She had a lot of faith to put that, those last two cents in because what is she going to do to eat tomorrow? What is she going to do to buy tomorrow? What, does she have rent? Does she have children? How is she going to survive tomorrow? By faith. She knows God is going to take care of her. 
And he says, this woman has more faith than all of them. You know why? Because they gave of their abundance. They had a lot and they just gave a little portion. That didn't cost them anything. That was no sacrifice. But she, with her last two pennies, last two cents, that was faith. That was sacrifice. That cost her everything. Wouldn't it be interesting? I don't know this for sure. I'm just thinking about it because I was thinking about um, Zacchaeus. That later on, Zacchaeus in Luke, uh, uh, he gets saved. Remember the the short guy comes off the tree, and uh, he's a tax collector. And after he gets saved, and Jesus goes to his house, and he tells, he's like, Jesus, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to give everything back that I stole because I stole a lot from these people and I'm going to give it back to you now. And, I, and whoever I ripped off, I, I'm just going to, uh, you know, I'm going to give it back sevenfold because he had a lot of money. He stole from a lot of people. I wonder if this little old lady who put her two cents in was one of them. The next day, here comes Zacchaeus plopping down all kinds of cash that he ripped off from her. Who knows? I don't know. I'd have to do a whole study on that but let's go to verse six now so abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together wow You can see clearly now Isaac carrying the wood on his back. Sounds like Jesus. Jesus carrying the cross made of wood on his back. But you see here the reality of it. The weight of the wood. it's, It's split wood. It's splintered wood. This is, this is painful to carry. A knife. The knife for cutting. And the fire. That's going to burn. Let's go to verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, son. Or here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? So here I am again, verse seven, the second time Abraham says, says that in this passage, he says, here I am again. But this time he's saying it to his son. Earlier in verse one, he's saying it to the father. And I think it's really cool here because here is Abraham in the middle. And, and follow me on this to see if we can get the picture of this. Here's, here's Abraham. He's, he's saying, God is calling him here. And he's saying, here I am. And here's Abraham in the middle. And then Isaac's calling him here. And he's saying, here I am. And we have this reaching out of God to the son and we have this cross right there a picture of what's going to be happening here a sacrifice being made and his son God's only son dying on the cross with hands stretched out just like that he says here I am in obedience to the Lord in order to lead and to obey. Now, we need to say these things to the Lord when He calls us. When there's things in our life we need to do, we need to say, Here I am in obedience to the Lord. So we can lead our families. So we could lead with those around us. Here I am to take good care of our children. But He says, In verse 7, where's the lamb? Uh, 
let's go to verse 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Our earlier passages here in verse 8 don't have the word for right there. So it says, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Himself, prophetic of Jesus, the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. In this, our worship is an act of faith. Like Abraham, having faith that the Lord is listening, he hears your heart, faith that God is going to provide for you so we serve him. You keep coming back to church to serve him. We have that faith. We're worshiping in faith knowing that the Lord can hear your heart, that he hears your voice, that he hears your petition when you're asking him for things, that he knows your needs, and yet in your obedience, you come to serve the Lord. You come to a service to serve the Lord, and you worship. God will provide himself for these sacrifices these sacrifices you're making in your life god will provide it's just amazing what we can learn here from this passage if we look back or look in at hebrews 11 it talks about abraham back there in in the author of hebrews writes by faith abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents as with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which, was, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is, in, which is by the seashore. By faith, Abraham did these things. This is his test, this faith test. And Abraham still doesn't know it yet. He's being tested. And he's just obeying and he's going. Let's go to verse 9. Genesis 22, 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar he built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Okay, like I said, he's calling Isaac a lad, which in the translation is young man or a unmarried young man. Isaac here could be as old as 25 years old. He's not a little kid. And... Um, Genesis here tells us Abraham, he could be as old as, I think it's 112 or something, 116, I wasn't too sure. But um, needless to say that this young man could have overpowered his father. I mean, my boy's 14, he's already starting to push me around. My 22-year-old, forget it, I'm not going to face him. He'll push me around for sure. So... The fight to stay alive, which we all have, is strong. You, you, get, you get held underwater and you start wanting to breathe, you could break through a wall. Man, you, you, could get, you, you get stronger and stronger as this fight to live goes on, especially if you know you're gonna, you, you think you're going to die. I remember one day I was in the water, out in the ocean, down in Mexico, and 
and uh, a storm came in so fast that we didn't even know it was coming. We saw clouds in the distance. We didn't even know it was coming. All of a sudden, the waves came first. Before the clouds even came over to get dark, these huge waves came and knocked us off. We had these inner tubes. We were so far out, floating out there, having fun. And uh, these waves came and wiped us out, took our inner tubes with us, uh, with the wave, and we were left out there to swim, to get back. And I thought for sure, because I got, I got taken down by, and wiped out by this huge wave, and I was turning around in the water, not knowing where, what was up. And so I'm thinking I'm swimming up, but I don't know which direction I was swimming. And I remember thinking, oh, Lord, this is it. My mom's going to be so mad. <laughs> I'm in Mexico, and she's over here, and I'm over here with, you know, our high school band trip that we had, and I'm going to die over here. <clears throat> and I was getting ready to take a big breath of water. I was like, oh, this is it. This is it. I'm going to take a big breath of water. And then I, I felt the bubbles of the surface on the tip of my head. And I held my breath just a second longer just to get to the top. But I, I was thinking that was it. But it's, it, you notice how strong you get and how much will you have to stay alive when you're, you're, you're going to survive. And I remember getting to the top, taking a big deep breath of air. <gasps> And then there was another wave, well, wipe me out. But it took me in, and so I was good. But obviously, I survived. Um, but you fight to stay alive. Here's Isaac, a grown man, a young man. He's not fighting. He could overtake this old guy with a knife. <laughs> you just come up around and put him in a headlock. Come on, come on old man, you're not going to get me. He didn't, Isaac didn't fight at all. And you see here, like Jesus, who went willingly to the cross, Isaac submitted himself to his father. Just like Jesus. Submitted himself to the father for sacrifice. And that's key right there. In our lives as we live in a life of sacrifice, of worship, we have to submit our lives to the Father. We can't be putting up the fight. These two words together in this passage, love and worship, we can't be putting up a fight to do these things because there is a willing submissiveness that has to take place to willingly submit yourself that's hard that's a difficult thing you're going against everything that is normal like a wave that's going to keep you down and hold you down to drown you hold your breath for three minutes it's impossible for some but you could do it because you do a difficult thing to survive to to make that sacrifice, to submit yourself to the Father. And you may ask yourself, well, I don't know what the Father wants. I don't know what the will of God is. You need to find out through His Word. And you're only going to find out by reading this thing. And you got to pass the tests. you got to keep going through it. Through. Now, Abraham, I said here, he's old. He's well into his hundreds. He's being tested still. We're going to be tested still till we're, till we're at the end here. I don't know if any of us are going to get past our hundreds, 116 or 120, however old he is. But I know longevity is not in my family. And the tests are going to keep on coming and coming until we're with the Lord. And... It's during those times we have to submit ourselves to the Father because that is our act of worship right there. Submitting. Submitting to God. Love and worship is submitting to God. That's, that's crazy. That's wild. 
When we talk about worship and being a, uh, for me, being a worship pastor, sometimes I think that's kind of weird because really I'm in charge of the music ministry, but worship is what we all do in our everyday act of living as we live for Christ. We're worshiping, and that worship comes in many ways. You submit yourself to your boss, even though he's the worst person on the earth, or you submit yourself to difficult things uh, physically. Maybe it's going to bring you pain. You know, sometimes I got to go in my backyard and pull weeds, and that hurts. My back's not the best anymore, and but, you know, at the end, they're gone. And you just submit yourself to the tough work, the hard work of doing things. And worship in our life is not going to be easy. And if it is, uh, you're probably not worshiping. It's something that's not a sacrifice. I also want to point out right here, That in this passage, all the way through to verse 16, God uses this phrase, your only son. He says in verse 2, he says in verse 12, your only son. He says in verse 16, your only son. Three times he says it, this passage. That number three again, three times. And we're pointing to Jesus here. In three days, Abraham makes it to the mountain where God tells him. Three times he says, your only son. And it brings us back to John 3.16, doesn't it? John (laughs) 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He says it again. His only son. You think God is trying to tell us something right here? His only son. It's important. God doesn't repeat things just flippantly. It's important. And he wants us to remember his only son. And this whole passage right here, we see God showing prophetically what he is going to do himself for the world in sacrificing his only begotten son. That whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. Just amazing that in this passage, in this whole passage here, that God would choose these two words, love and worship, for the first time we put put in the Bible. Because it's a sacrifice. And when you're going to be a follower of Christ, and you're going to be giving your life to Jesus, you're going to, you're going to be sacrificing. But it's a good thing. Because it won't be an act of the flesh. He'll know your heart. And it'll be the opposite of get away from me. I never knew you. He's going to say, my son. And We're all inherited, like Abraham here, the inheritance of being an adopted son into God's family. And God says, my sheep, they hear my voice. And they know me. They know my voice. They hear it. That's that's where we need to be. Um. I want to close with this thought that as as a church kid growing up I knew John 3:16 like the back of my hand and uh, it would when I got into high school um or junior high high school and before I really gave my life to the Lord <clears throat> um the that whole scripture would go in one ear and out the other Because I heard it in Sunday school after Sunday school after Sunday school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. 
And it wasn't until I gave my life to the Lord and I really saw what it meant to live a life for Christ in giving my life to Him that uh, that, that Scripture actually uh, had some meaning to me in my life. There was uh, <laughs> a quick story here. There was a uh, there was a time I was I wasn't I wasn't quite saved yet, but I was going to church and and uh, I was I was in marching band and I was with a big group of people and um, this one guy come comes up to me. And he, he was always, he knew I was a Christian church kid because he was one too. And he had a little bottle of beer in his, in his, his hat, his little, his little thing there. And he said, hey, Sam, look what I got. And I'm like, oh, dude, come on. You know, put that away. You know. He's like, no, 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 don't worry. I'll just drink it before, I, uh, before we start playing out there in the field. And I'm just, you know, shaking my head. And he's... And we're walking together, and he says, here, have some. And I'm like, no, 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 because, you know, no, nah, I'm, I'm Christian. I don't do that. But and it was like he kept pushing me and pushing me. I was maybe, I don't know, 14 or 15. He kept pushing me to do it, and I'm like, oh, fine. And I took a little swig, and I gave it back to him. And then I hear my older brother's voice behind me, Sam. And I turn around. My big brother's right behind me, right? And... um and a friend of his, he goes, we're going to talk later. And uh, I'm like, oh, man. And I couldn't think of anything else all night except what my brother was going to tell me all night. And then later on, and you know, he's like, that was a really bad example what you did there. I go, I just took one little, you know, swig there. It was like, he just kept bothering me. So I just did it and I got him out of my face. And he's like, that was a really bad example. My friend here, I'm talking about, with, about Jesus with my friend here. And I was just telling him about you and my family. We all go to church. And then we're right behind you and you do that. What a bad example. Oh, I felt so low. Wow. So low. But see, when we don't sacrifice and we don't live our lives purposeful in submission to the Lord... In everything, even in a small little thing like that, or you may even think that's a big thing. Whatever it is. If you're not living a life in submission to God and His Word, when whatever it is, you're, you're a bad example. And you're sitting here at church today, so you believe in the Lord. You have a Christian faith of somehow. You, you wanted to be here. Or maybe you're... You got dragged here, I don't know, but living your life and saying you're a Christian and then not living up to it, not making the sacrifices that it takes, like I didn't at that moment, what a bad example that is. And how many Christians are a bad example of that today? When you see them out there doing things or, you know... Um, Believing certain things just to go along with the world. Mm -mm. What a bad example. You're not counting the cost. The cost of what it means to sacrifice in living for the Lord. Amazing. Love and worship. It's like love plus worship because sacrifice. The sacrifice. Let's, uh, let's go for the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Lord. You're so good to us. Father, that we could uh, just submit unto you our lives and everything we do every day, whether it's big or small, Lord, that we would submit ourselves to the sacrifice that it takes to worship you, to live our lives in a submissive fashion, which is worship. And have that love that you could see in our hearts. The love that's inside and the intent that's even deeper in our thoughts. You see these things, Lord. 
And so, Father, we want to be real and not fake it, not fake any worship, and not fake any time of service to you, not fake any time of our lives to you, God, but to submit unto you willingly, like Isaac submitted to his father, like Jesus submitted to the Father. And so, Lord, we want to submit our lives to you. We want to give our lives to you in this love, in this worship, in this sacrifice, Lord. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord, if we do not know you, Lord, that we would give our lives to you and live our lives born again unto you, God. I pray, Father, that our lives would be different. That as we hang on to your word, we hang on to this book, Lord, that we would live different lives. And so we thank you, Lord. If there's anyone here who wants to receive the Lord, to open their heart to the Lord, so my brother Perry over here, he'll pray with you. At the end, come over here, talk to them, give you a free Bible. And begin to live a new life. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Lord, for your love for us, to keep teaching us through your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We'll worship one more time.